The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Sone, and today we're gonna talk about the thrilling, the exciting topic of inventories. I know you guys are buzzing to hear what I've got to say about inventories, but they are important. So I just wanna give you three very quick things that you must include in an inventory. Obviously there's loads of things to include in an inventory. I'm just gonna give you three important ones that a lot of people forget. And I'm gonna give you a couple of tips about how you can make sure that your inventory will uh, not only save you money, but prevent cost. And those two are very different things. Saving money is one thing, preventing cost is another thing. Or even protecting cost is another thing. First of all, if you don't know, then an inventory is a report, normally quite a large report, which includes photos, descriptions, and uh, a summary of the condition of every single thing in that property. Not just a report that I've seen landlords, trust me, I've seen landlords that produce a Word document that says, lounge, good condition, <laughs> dining room, good condition, hallway, good condition. No, that's not an inventory. That won't stand up in court. A proper inventory has got individual itemized photos, descriptions, and conditions of every single thing in that property. Everything in the lounge, every fixture, every fitting, all furnishings, your kitchen, your cupboard doors, your bathroom, your sink, your taps, your curtains, light switches, light fitting, garden doors, windows, carpets, thresholds, everything. Now it sounds like a massive job, but you don't have to do the inventory yourself. And I would probably say before I get into these vital things you've got to include in your inventory, I'd probably say, give me a call, give me an email, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk if you want to get a proper inventory done. I will either link you up, if you're in my general area, which is Hampshire, if you're in my area, I will link you up with my lettings team who will carry out the inventory for you. If you're not in Hampshire, I will either, whatever you prefer, I will link you up directly with a really good inventory supplier who will do it all for you. Or if you would prefer, I will link you up with a letting agent that I know and trust in your area. I generally have letting agents in the majority of cities and towns in the in the country. If I don't, then I'll tell you. Uh, but email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk if you would like to get a proper inventory done. Trust me, they are worth their weight in gold. Look, I've managed, I've let and managed thousands of properties over the years. And the amount of times when a landlord or my lettings team has gone to court on behalf of a landlord and one, 
because of a good inventory, well, I can't even I can't even guess at the number a lot of times. And I also will tell you that there's a lot of occasions where I've heard about landlords that don't really see the importance in an inventory. Maybe they don't want to get it done because of the cost. Maybe they don't want to get it done because they don't think it's important. That have ended up with tenants that have caused damage but are unable to make any claims. And that's sad because I think that with, with the correct inventory, the right documentation, then you can protect yourself from cost. And that's what we're all trying to do. It doesn't matter why you got into property or how you got into property. We're all just trying to make a little bit of profit, aren't we, on the property. And that's all right, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord. I know making profit in this country is frowned upon, but it's also vital. You're doing your tenants a disservice. It is your duty as a property investor, as a landlord, an investor landlord, or as an anonymous landlord, it is your duty to make profit so that you can look after your tenants. Anyway, I've sidetracked, <gasps> shock. So, the first, so now you know what an inventory is. Doesn't matter whether you think they're important or not. If you are gonna carry out an inventory, then please, please, please include time-stamped photos. That's the first thing I will say. Time-stamped photos cannot be argued with. Now, if you can't carry out time-stamped photos, then the next thing you need, the next best thing is to have the tenant confirm the date at which that inventory was done, or at minimum, confirm that the inventory was done before they moved in. So that's the first thing. Time-stamped photos is obviously the ideal way to do that. Again, if you need some help with an inventory, just give me a shout. I don't cost anything to talk, so give me a shout if you need some advice on anything like that. Timestamped photos. So the second thing that I want to tell you to definitely, definitely include is signatures. Now that sounds really obvious, but there are two things I want you to get your tenants to sign. This is important. Number one, get them to sign to say that they understand, they have read and they understand the contents of the inventory. That gives the tenant to raise any questions, queries, anything they're unsure about. It gives them the opportunity to, to raise that there and then. Now, if they don't raise that query there and then, they're signing to say they have read and understood the contents of that inventory. The second signature I need you to get your tenant to, to, to put, uh, to sign for, is that they accept the contents of the inventory. Now, the two are very different things. Please don't just do one signature and lump them all into the same thing. Make sure you're separating to say that the tenant is signing for, I have read and understood the, temp the, the contents of this inventory. And the second thing is to sign to say, I accept the contents of this inventory. Then there can't be any argument. If the tenant signs for it and they leave, and there is damage caused by the tenant, then you can make that claim. If the tenant disputes it, then the first thing you do before getting to court, before doing all that process to say to them, here is the condition of that item or those items before you moved into the property. You signed for it to say you read and understood the contents of the inventory and you signed for it to say that you accept the contents of that inventory. I, I guess that most tenants will then no longer pursue their defense of that of that charge that you're making. 
So definitely have the tenant sign for both of those things. And the last thing I'm gonna tell you, and by the way, there's loads, loads of things that you must include in an inventory, but this would be such a long um, presentation about inventories. I'm not sure I could keep your attention on inventories for that long. If you wanna talk through some more stuff, then uh, hey, maps, absolutely, give me a shout. We'll set up a call, I'll talk you through how to do it. Or, like I say, why waste your own time? You're gonna spend three or four hours doing an inventory when you could just get another company to do it for you. So, the third thing that I'd like you to definitely include in your inventories is the meter readings. And this one's important because I've seen so many landlords not take down the meter readings or take them down but not have their tenants sign for those meter readings. And then what happens, unfortunately, in some instances, look, most people are good and they don't do this sort of stuff, but there are always risks of finding that, that one tenant that is not good. <laughs> Let's just say not good. And the tenant, I've heard stories of tenants moving into that property, not informing utility companies that they've moved in, and then milking off the landlords. And then the landlords end up paying because the tenancy or the utility company was, wasn't informed of the new tenancy and so on. And if you haven't got the correct documentation, the, le the tenant can just inform the utility company that here's the meter reading. And then it could be any meter reading they want. It could be a meter reading two months after they've moved in, whatever. So make sure that you include the meter readings for the gas, the electricity, uh, water if you can. Obviously smart meters do help with this, but it's definitely important to include those meter readings without a shadow of a doubt. Also, look, your, your AST, your contract, tenancy contract, should help, but it doesn't necessarily say, it says when the tenancy starts, it doesn't necessarily state when the occupancy starts. So there's always gonna be, look, you should win that as a landlord, but there's always gonna be that argument. And that could mean a loss of cash flow until that argument is, is resolved. So just include it in the inventory, then the tenant signs to say they've read and understood and that they accept the contents of that inventory, then there can't be an argument. It's also a really good deterrent for tenants even arguing with you about deductions or charges that you're going to make. Deductions, by the way, I mean deductions from their deposit. Um, if you want some help with the deposit, how much you can charge, what sort of things you can charge. Um, also, when it comes to the inventory, there is a checkout. So if you, and, and that basically means you take the inventory back to the property and you check it all. So you can list all of the things that are damaged, that need repairing, um, and then you can give an itemized list to the tenant showing them what they need to pay for. Um, can't remember where I was going with that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I think I've got my points across there. So those are the three main things, or those are three of the main things that you should include. Um, I am actually running a landlord's workshop in the very near future. And all that's gonna do is talk through every single thing you need for every single tenancy every time. And that'll include details on how you do it, what documents you use, templates, training education, mindset as well. Look, being a landlord takes a certain type of mentality if you're gonna manage properties yourself. Um, so if you wanna be part of that landlord workshop, give me a shout. Uh, it'll just be online. 
Um, so just email me, tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. That was a good opportunity to plug that, I think. Um, but uh, hey, look, it's up to you. Some people might feel like they can learn it all for themselves or they know it all themselves, that's okay. If you just want some help from me or another trainer, that's fine. I've been doing this for 20, 22 years now. Um, so there's not a great deal that I don't know about the lettings process and being a landlord. I'm a landlord myself. I'm a property investor myself. I also am a, um, I've owned a letting agent for a number of years. Um, so anyway, that's a bit about me. So I guess really to wrap that up, if you want um, to be part of my landlord workshop, email me. If you want my company to carry out an inventory for you, email me. Or if you want me to connect you up with a company that will do the inventory for you, email me. Simple as that. I'm happy to share all my information. Now, the next thing I will say is just a little tip actually about inventories. When your tenant moves out, don't do the inventory with them present. I repeat, don't do the inventory with the tenant present, if you can. The reason for that, as you're going through each of the things on that list, if you've got the tenant in your ear constantly, you're more likely not to include certain things. However, if the tenant's not there, you can be 100% factual and evidence-based. You can be completely black and white. You can't be influenced. It is, it is the inventory, which is the evidence of how the property was when the tenant moved in. It's the inventory versus reality. What is the condition of that property now? And remember, I'm gonna talk quickly about wear and tear, but before I do, remember that it is your right as a landlord, as a property investor, as a human being to make profit. You are not there to pay for a tenant to live. You're not there to do anybody any favors. You are there, you invested in property because you wanted to make profit on your money. Whether that's profit every month or profit in 20 years time doesn't matter. The point is if you wanna make profit, you have to reduce your costs and you have to prevent costs, simple as that. Wear and tear, I just wanna finish off with a brief bit about wear and tear. There is always, it's always a gray area. It's always an argument, um, but here's a quick way to think about wear and tear and again, we could go for hours on wear and tear because there's loads of different things, but here's a quick way to think about it. If you have a tenant that's lived at a property for five years, there's an example, and when they move out, there is wear and tear on the carpet, then you cannot charge for a new carpet. Okay, I'm gonna start with that. And this is how you think about it. Let's assume that a standard life of a carpet is 10 years, right? And I say carpet because that's the most common um, dispute when it comes to wear and tear. Standard life of a carpet is 10 years. Let's just assume that that's the case. It might not be. You might have a really good carpet the last 20 years, but in this instance, it's 10. And the tenants lived at that property for five years, and there is going to be five years worth of wear and tear to that carpet. You cannot charge that tenant for a new carpet. You just cannot do it. Now you might do it and bully your tenant into paying for a new carpet. That's very dangerous because that will now end you up in court. All it takes is the tenant to Google search landlord bully or landlord um, pressure and then you're screwed, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, because at the moment tenants' rights are through the roof. 
some would argue quite rightly. I must admit a lot of the tenants' rights from a human being perspective are very, very positive. It sucks for landlords that, that like to cut corners, sorry, but it does. And it's hard for normal landlords as well because there's now a lot to do, a lot to watch out for, a lot to protect yourself against, but anyway. Right, so 10 years is the life of a carpet. Tenant has lived there causing wear and tear on that carpet for five years. You can't charge them for a whole new carpet, that's for sure. But you could ask them for a contribution towards a new carpet if the damage done to the carpet is not reasonable wear and tear. And that's the key word here, reasonable. If there is reasonable wear and tear that just comes about from the tenant walking into the house and walking out of the house, walking into a room and walking out of a room, that is standard wear and tear that is part and parcel of living anywhere. You can't really charge them for that. Now, there's a couple of things to include in that. First of all, if there is any damage to that carpet which is caused by wear and tear, it's gonna sound really strange, right? So I think I was saying the, the key word there is reasonable. Right, so if they're, no I wasn't actually, I was talking about excessive damage, excessive wear and tear. Now that's the next keyword. So reasonable is the first keyword. You can't charge for reasonable wear and tear. That tenant must live in that property. You can charge for excessive wear and tear or excessive damage. To put that into perspective, Let's say, for an example, your tenant is running a hairdresser's at your home. That's a whole different thing, by the way. Tenants running businesses in your property. I have done a video on my Facebook page about that. There are some very, very serious warnings, things that you must do and must not do as well. Check that out. It's on Facebook. It's also on YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. I've got loads of different stuff on there. Anyway, um, quick plug. YouTube is awesome, by the way. I love, I love my YouTube channel. It's cool. So, um, where did they get to? Yeah, if the tenant is running a hairdresser from the property and there are lots of people going in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, that to me is excessive wear and tear. Excessive is anything above reasonable. If the, if the, the tenant just has 20 dogs, <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, but you get what I mean. If the tenant's got a cat, and that cat has caused some sort of excessive wear and tear, you can charge for that. Again though, you can't charge for the full price of a carpet because you're already halfway through, halfway through that carpet's life. But you can charge for the excessive element of a wear and tear, right? Now, there are some people that would argue that if there is damage, the tenant has to pay for a whole new carpet. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. This is where you're starting to get into the gray areas. It would be for a judge to decide that. And you don't want to get to court. That's another thing. You don't want to get all the way to court. You want to try and settle this out of court. So think of it like that. There's reasonable wear and tear, there's excessive wear and tear and damage. If there is excessive wear and tear and damage caused by the tenant that requires you to replace that carpet, you can charge them, but you can't charge them the full amount of a carpet. That's the big problem. I've heard so many stories of landlords ending up in court and not getting anything. Because judges say, well, it's a 10 year old carpet. It's gonna get damaged. People have to live there. Now I would argue that if he'd have applied for a contribution, just the excessive part or the damage part, maybe he might have got somewhere. Who knows? So look, I've started this about inventories. I've ended this about carpets. 
<laughs> I, hope you, I hope you got the link, right? And I hope you get the, uh, the point of having an inventory. Your inventory is your undeniable evidence of the condition of everything in that property before the tenant moved in, so that the tenant has absolute clarity on the condition of that property when they move out. And if the condition of those items in that property are not the same as the inventory, then the tenant cannot defend against that. Unless we're talking about, you guessed it, reasonable wear and tear. So look, I hope that helps. And do you know what? Outside of all of this, and, and to look at a whole summary of everything to do with inventories and legislation and documents and protection and all that, I think the best way for you to think about this, Mr. and Mrs. Landlord, is just be fair. I know landlords that will argue and argue and argue for 20 quid, for 30 quid, 50 quid, 100 quid, 200 quid. They will just argue and argue and argue and argue. And they'll write big, long emails that take two hours to write. And then they'll phone and have big arguments on the phone. And then they'll just go crazy and get themselves all worked up for the sake of saving 50 quid because they didn't want to use that contractor, they wanted to use this contractor because they didn't want the tenant to do that in the property or they, they wanted to get a better clean or whatever. Now I get it, I get it, money's money, but profit is about so much more than money. Profit is about money, time, mental health, enjoyment of life, family, friends. You can profit in all of those things. So anyway, I've waffled on for a lot now. I don't even know what I'm talking about now, but hopefully out of all of this stuff, you get some sort of nugget, some useful information that you can implement. And remember what I said, if you want my company to do an inventory for you, let me know. If you want my company to look after your, the, your tenancy, manage your tenancy, let me know. If you want me to connect you with a letting agent or with an inventory company, let me know. And if you wanna be part of my landlord workshop, then let me know. You can do all of that just by emailing me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk or message me through Facebook or or and and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I'm really trying to push the YouTube channel at the moment. I'm trying to put some more content on there. Um, you know, some content's not really right for podcasts, some's not right for Facebook, some's not right for, for, for YouTube. So I'll try and put different bits everywhere. Hope all that helps. Good luck, everyone. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast and remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.